Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the Naked Leadership Podcast with yet another conversation with Dan and Adrian. My name is Chad Brown. This week, we talk about slowing down in order to speed up. And the speed up that we talk about is very different than probably the kind of speed that you're thinking about. So I can't wait for you to listen to this, get all of the value out of it that I did. I, I found so much value in new principles and understanding ways that I can slow down in order to speed up my projects with my clients, all that sort of thing. It's super applicable. Can't wait for you to dive in. Let's do that now. What's up, gentlemen? This is Chad hey. here with Dan and Adrian. How are you? I am great. Good. Adrian. <laughs> you see how he froze up? <laughs> <laughs> wish, wish, all, wish all the audience could watch that. Oh, I know. That's, that would be fantastic. Dan, how are you? I'm well, thanks. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Me too. Let's slow down for just a second. Today, we're going to talk about slowing down to speed up. This is, uh, you know, all of the entrepreneurs, business owners that I've coached, it's when they come to me, it's a game of speed. It's how do we get things done the fastest, most profitable you know, this, that, and the other, which are all great goals. They're all, we want the same outcomes, right? How do we get, how do we become more efficient? How do we become more profitable? How do we speed up? And, but most of them are not experiencing the results that they want in the process. Yeah. And, you know, we talk about this principle of slowing down in order to speed up. And Adrian, you posted something last week on Instagram that I really enjoyed it was really meaningful to me where you talked about this principle, but then you added a little bit to it, which I'm going to talk about in a little while, a little bit later in this conversation, little cliffhanger there. Don't give it away. Cool. Uh, so stick around. Um, Adrian knows what you're talking about, but he's ready for it. <laughs> I got no clue, but I'm glad it helped. And it's probably totally what I made up about what you posted. <laughs> Yeah, you're we'll going to give him credit for what you made up, and I'm sure he's ready to take it too. <laughs> I was actually thinking when you said that was it actually something you posted on my behalf because that would be the I'd also appreciate that credit. <laughs> Tell me what I'm thinking now, please. Wouldn't that be great if I just told you all my favorite posts of yours and they were the ones that I did for you? <laughs> you can follow Adrian on Instagram, Adrian Adrian A, right? Yeah, you can follow Adrian on Instagram and get to know Chad. He's serious. Yeah. <laughs> really great. <laughs> so let's slow down here. Let's talk about this meta. Like what it's obviously self-explanatory, but what are we talking about when we talk about slowing down in order to speed up? And what are the pitfalls? Why is this not practiced very widely amongst entrepreneurs, founders? executives, what does it mean to slow down? What are we talking about? What does it mean to slow down? And an analogy comes to mind first. One is the difference between my experience in driving through LA in my car and my experience in riding my scooter through LA. And when I rode my scooter through LA, I had a very different experience of the city because I could see more things. I needed to see more things, but I could even my olfactory experience of LA was different. I could smell different things than I'd smelled before. I could see different shops than I'd seen before. I noticed different, I went on different roads than I'd been on before and catch some cultural nuances. And anyway, all these types of things. 
And so as part of it is what's, what is slowing down? Well, it's having, I'm kind of answering what's the benefit of slowing down, but usually there are more, there's more happening than I can observe and definitely honor or celebrate or do anything about, but even observe that I can't do if I'm actually committed to having that frantic, urgent, being in a frantic or an urgent conversation about what's happening. So if I give up the franticness and the urgency, and usually probably the urgency that breeds franticness, if I give that up for a second, I can actually experience more and get a hold of, observe more, experience more, intervene more, and some nuance that's happening that I can't if I'm committed to going really fast all the time. Mm. So that's what I first, I can actually, you know, it's like a sommelier. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Another way of looking at it. Yeah. And if you take the the neurological reality, you know, kind of how your your brain works, you're only processing about 2%, 1% to 3% of the information you're taking in. So there's a lot I'm not seeing. There's a, just I, just naturally I know there's a lot I'm not seeing, and so to slow down would mean to stop that, that whatever I'm doing is important enough to pay closer attention, like intentionally pay attention, right? Because I love that line. You know, uh, familiarity is the hidden discipline of familiarity is the hidden alertness. Alertness. alertness is the hidden discipline of familiarity. Like you're so familiar, you're not alert. So yeah. the hidden discipline of familiar of, of alertness, alertness is that hidden discipline of familiarity, right? I mean, it's like, oh, I already know this person. Versus, I wonder what, I, how are they today? You know, okay, we're working on this problem, and last time we talked last Friday, here we are Monday. To come into the meeting and assume that everybody's where they were Friday and not check in and really connect is to is to probably miss a lot of nuance that I would play important aspects of me making decisions. So slowing down is just catch, is getting connected to where are we now in relationship to where we said we'd be, who are we together, what's wanted and needed, right? And it feels like you're slowing down because you are, you, you're going to, like another saying I have is, we're so busy going somewhere, we're never anywhere, mm-hmm. right? Like, so if I want to get to somewhere from here, I better show up and understand where I'm at first so I can see how to get to where I'm going. And so slowing down might just include just connecting with where everybody is, where I'm at, where everybody else is now here in this situation, with given what we've got and what we're committed to. And some people might be connected to the vision of where we're headed. Some people might be somewhere else. I think the thing is, when we get into that place, Leaders don't want to deal like, oh, shit, Adrian's really not on the same page. Don't want to deal with that now. Don't have the time. Yeah. And I'm thinking about a particular client that we about six weeks ago said we had some breakthroughs with the team. And in the breakthroughs with the team that he's working with, not his leaders, but the team they met, they lead. He had a big, we had a big group meeting. There were some breakthroughs. And then when we debriefed with the leaders, we could hear resistance to what we were doing. And so I remember I had said to this leader, your next challenge, if, and you need to get on it right away, you can see it is your leaders. You can hear their attitudes. They're resisting. You might want to find out what that's about, see what it's going to take to open up. And he never did it. 
And within two weeks, you know, it was even worse than it was before, right? And then we started talking. He goes, yeah, I just don't have, the, I didn't have the bandwidth. Yeah. Didn't have enough time. And I, and I thought, and I said to him, I said, well, now look at how much time this is going to take to get clear. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you're well, this guy actually, and this, and this guy did what I think probably everybody can relate to. He actually had the first conversation. Yes. He had the big one. He had the big one. He had kind of the tip of the spear, like, hey, guys, this isn't going to work. And he left them with some questions about what it would take to work. And then he never had the follow-up conversation. You guys ever have that experience where you like do kind of the first part, but not all of it. <laughs> so you like, kind of let you say, like, Oh, I tried, you know, it didn't work. Didn't work. <laughs> didn't work. Your, your product's bunk, man. <laughs> but we, how often do we make more work for ourselves? Mm -hmm. That very work that we made for ourselves because we didn't slow down is the reason why we say we can't slow down now. Or when I say slow down is get connected to what the obstacle is. To what's oriented. Yeah. Yeah. Where are we? I mean, that's what slowing down. That's what comes up for me when I think about slowing down. Where the hell are we? You know, so many of us jump in on teams as entrepreneurs, as founders, as whatever we're up to. And we're, we know we want to go to New York. That's the goal. We're going to New York. But we think we're in Toronto and really we're in Albuquerque. That's a big problem. It's a big problem. How much energy is wasted going to New York and you don't even know what direction you're headed. Now, are you, are you gonna, you're going to completely miss New York if you're in Toronto because you're going to be heading. You think you're in Albuquerque, you're going to be heading north. You're going to go over to Newfoundland. You know, <laughs> come off of New York, just disappear. <laughs> It got awfully cold and barren up here. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> but yeah, that slowing down, that that moment of, okay, let's see where we are. To me, that's a way of being. That's not an event. Yeah. Right? So these things happen. The slowing down and the speeding up have to happen simultaneously. And in ebbs and flows, right? We Because if we ignore the slowing down, the locating, and we just go into speed up mode, we can get off track yeah. or we can lose ourselves. Yeah. Think about something Jordan Peterson talks about. He says, you know, what you're aiming at is what orders the hierarchy of concerns that you will act on. Right? So yes. if I'm aiming at a certain vision, there's, a, there's an outcome that I want then I'm going to want to pay attention if I'm really aiming at it. Now, I could sell myself I'm aiming at a certain outcome, but what I'm really aiming at is comfortably getting there, not being, like, what I'm really aiming at is not being disturbed, mm. not feeling upset, not feeling the tension, right? So that has a very, if I'm aiming at not being upset or not feeling the tension or looking good or feeling good, then the set of concerns that make that commitment up are very distinct from the set of concerns of having a team accomplish something out there that is bigger than all of us. And it's going to call for all of me and all of them. And, and aiming at that sets up a whole different set of concerns, which would include annihilating feeling comfortable. In fact, I would go in expecting not being comfortable, mm -hmm. like being excited about being on my toes, right? Yeah. So well, that, dis that distinction is probably why most divorces happen. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I want it to work, but I'm not willing to be uncomfortable 
for as long as it takes. I don't want to be vulnerable. I don't want to be wrong. I don't, you know. I was thinking about, because I think think that's really great. Let me see. I just lost it because I thought that point was really great. It'll have to come back to me, but... Yeah, the the I, I love that point about you know when we choose an outcome, it naturally orders the conversations. Most of us, though, we don't want to go see the distinction between if I and you want the same things or not. We would rather have the naivete that what we once wanted is still the same now, you know. And what what I was going to say earlier was I was thinking about this this kind of slowing down. And to your point earlier, Chad, around way of being, because even that, like being committed to an outcome, being committed isn't a thing. Yeah. It's a presence. Mm-hmm. Being committed is a presence. You can see committed happening, but it's, you know, it's not, but I mean, you can usually see the outcomes of commitment, but you don't see commitment happening. You know, committed is is invisible, but it's felt. I, I was just thinking about a client that is doing some negotiating around her salary and around her position. Their company's in a big shift right now. It's a huge multi-billion dollar company. And she's taking on, has taken on more. And anyway, she needs to go in and talk to her boss about salary and about this kind of stuff. And really what she wants, which is a conversation she hasn't had with him. She really only wants to do this role for a year. Because she wants to then have a baby and then, you know, be, but then promoted and all these kinds of things. And I was having kind of the mock conversation about how to talk about it. And she said, oh, that sounds great. Let me, hold on. Let me write that down. And I said, (laughs) no, (laughs) it sounds great because I believe it. Mm -hmm. You know, I was being her in the convo about, and I was illuminating both her interests and his interests and how they come together. She had made up that this was going to be a hard conversation. I thought it was going to be an amazing conversation. It's a way to actually get oriented together where she is what her boss's biggest dream is. And her boss is able to create what her biggest dream is. And oh my gosh, isn't this great? She's coming into the conversation saying, how do I get what I want without getting in trouble? Or without being seen as the greedy one? Because I saw... The possibility in the conversation, I shared about it in a way that she said, that sound, I'm going to write that. I said, don't. You need to talk about this with your husband 15 times until you get it in your bones. So then you can actually show up in the conversation with it being so authentic for you that you actually believe that if he gives you the raise, he wins as well. So it was the believability and the presence and the commitment that that landed for her. And she thought it was the script. But I think this is what's... But you raised her aim, though. You raised her aim beyond her own interest to his interest and how they fit. That's, That's right. Right? Yeah. So that orders, and it's crazy because like, apparently what Jordan Peterson's talking about and came out of uh, Maps of Meaning is neurologically, it actually produces a change. When you actually focus beyond, like when she focuses beyond her interest to her, to her bosses and sees how they come together, the merit, as the merit of the deal, then that sets up a whole set of the hierarchy of concern that she can follow. Yep. She can you know, have an intelligible conversation and, and do it on her feet without having to have it scripted. Yeah. 
I had such a similar experience just just this weekend. My wife, Katie, is starting her own organizing business. She loves organizing, loves it. Like it's, it's, She's on cloud nine if she can organize a freaking closet. I don't get it, but we have a very organized house, so I like that. And she thinks she'd like to do it professionally, you know, and help people out and really connected to this vision of people feeling out of sorts at home only results in negative things outside of the home, right? In their careers and their marriages and all that uh, that's inside the home. But anyway, so the, today, literally right now, actually, while we're recording this, she's meeting with her first potential client. That's great. So she's role-playing with me over the weekend. And she's like, you know, what would you say? How do you want to, how would you relay this? Blah, 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 blah. And I, and I, you know, I said, here's what I would do. I'd go in and I would say this and I would get intimately connected to what's not working in their lives right now from being unorganized. And then what their vision is for their home as an organized home. Like how would life be if the home is organized? and get them really connected to like that inner, you know? And so I run that through that and she's like, oh, that's great. Same thing. Let me write that down. (laughs) I said, no, don't write that down. Because what's happening right now, and I could tell, and I know her pretty well, and I checked in with her and it was true, is that she was worried about how she was going to look to this potential client. Rather than the commitment that she is as the service that she's providing. Yeah, right on. The difference she can make, right? Yeah, the difference that she will make. The pain she will relieve. Yep. That's right. And so that's what the conversation became is like, okay, what are you actually committed to for this woman in her home? Like, what do you believe is possible? Yeah. And she wanted to just speed through this conversation, right? Which is the speed up. Just tell me how to say this. I'll say it. We'll go in. It'll sound great to her, just like it sounded great to me. And I said, no, let's slow down. Yeah. Why are you doing this? Yeah. Get oriented with yourself and then the words will come. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty interesting. Yeah, it's great. Ugh. Well, it's, it's, yeah. Wow. So, I mean, so many, I mean, I'm glad she's doing that. And I love Katie. I'm glad she's doing that. Me too. I mean, it's a it's a it's a huge opportunity in the market too. I mean, especially since people are home now, mm-hmm. she could do it on a quarterly basis. Everybody would be served by that. And homeschools, people got to organize their schools sure. now. Yeah, sure. Yeah, no kidding. We, we've we've been in that conversation. Just Allie and I have, and had to find some language around it. Which instead of "Can you help me clean up?" It's "Can you help me reset?" That's actually what resetting is. What's is an emotional? It's a thing that happens, but it's an you know. Oh, okay, we're ready to go again tomorrow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yep. So that's, that's cool. So Adrian, so we, we figured out what slowing down means. I think we all know the experience of speeding up. Speeding up is that there's a couple of different experiences of speeding up. I would say speeding up often is hectic and chaotic. Yeah. But speeding up can also look like being in the zone, like in the flow, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's been my experience of speeding up at times when I'm intimately connected to where I'm at. Yeah. And then when you focus out, that focus is so complete because you know where you're operating from. You go and you can get in that, that zone, right? And it feels like warp speed. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I'm one, I'm, I'm one, I'm, I'm, I think most people, 
and probably listen to us are really action oriented. So if I, when I say I can get into action, man, it just feels so good. I mean, that's productivity is one of the drugs of choice in my life. Mm. You know, feeling like I'm doing something. I mean, even, I'm, that's always one of the tensions on a weekend is like, I would actually enjoy working all weekend. <laughs> I hear you, man. You know, I would enjoy that. Or just being productive, whatever it is. There's yeah. this little task, this little task, this little task. A few hours in, Allie's going to say, where are you? Why, why, why aren't we talking? You know? <laughs> why haven't we had coffee on the patio? Why, why haven't we talked? Yeah. Yeah. Where are you today? Oh, I'm having fun. If, yeah, I think I'm sometimes... I'm producing something. I'm having a blast. <laughs> <laughs> to me, sometimes speeding up when I'm not familiar with where I'm at feels like, you know, the Flintstone car. Right where you you're like the the feet are going a million miles an hour and you're turning these big stone wheels and everything yeah. every small bump is you really feel it and you know the speeding up being in the zone is just it feels like flying yeah yeah well and sometimes the speeding up I mean we just did a recent episode about uh, you know avoidance a lot of times speeding up is to avoid what I don't want to come to the surface mm-hmm. if I slow down which is part of the conversation you, you already brought up earlier. Huh? Maybe I can outrun it. I can outrun uh, it. That's right. Yeah. Yep. You know, you run, and it's like having the alien on your face. You run, and might go to the side, and then when you stop, it's still there. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> so what I was alluding to earlier in the conversation, Adrian, was this post that you talked about where it's possible to use the slowdown to stay stuck. Mm. Right. And what I took it out, what I made up about the post for me, what I related to most was almost paralysis by analysis. Sure. Like you are being so careful and so observing so closely that that can impede on action. Yeah. Like taking the observation out of here (laughs) and here and putting it into results in the real world. Yeah. Well... Yeah. I mean, I think I remember that post about I was talking, was helping Scout ride his bike and speed is steady is what I told him. I think about this a lot. Anytime when somebody's telling me about some kind of business idea and I ask them, great, how long you've been doing it or how long you've been planning it? And if they've been planning it for a long time, I know they're just scared, mm-hmm. which is fine. But it's just, hey, you want to do this thing? That's right. You know, you got, at some point you're going to start and your plan's going to be, you know, annihilated. Oh, yeah. So, that's right. When the plan meets reality, that's always entertaining. <laughs> yeah. So it's not going to work, man. It's really not. Like, especially not like a lot of different things. ways. Until it works, it's not going to work. <laughs> yeah. So, and I think around, I mean, a lot of this time, the slowing down to speed up, it can be a strategic conversation. Most humans, though, avoid other humans. And the humans are the problem. And most. What do you mean? What do you mean most humans avoid other humans? Well, I mean that, you know, if I'm running an endeavor, running some kind of venture and other humans are involved, most high impact leaders that I work with get the fact that even I, Adrian Kaler, I'm, an, I'm a complex creature and I'm a lot to manage for me. And then if I'm about to jump in and deal with some other very complex creature, they got their own thing going on, too. And there's a lot less. I have lots of agency over me. At least I'm that I'm in that mindset that I navigate, I create all my experience, period, mm-hmm. always. And I can, anything I 
do or don't do is up to me. I'm like a full will type person. Fate doesn't exist. I choose. But not everybody sees the world that way. And therein lies the rub. It's like, okay, now how do I engage with this person and their complexities and their distinctions from me? And we're actually headed to the same thing, but we might be headed in very different, we're in very different situations, very different viewpoints on what to do. Anyway, all that's really complex, naturally complex, unavoidably complex. Yeah. And so a lot of us don't want to slow down and deal with the humanity over there. And so, therefore, we avoid the slowing down because it's kind of like, you, you guys know what it's like, uh, that awkward silence in a conversation. Like, what do we talk about now? And, 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 yeah, there, there's a propensity to want to make the tools. Yeah. Yeah. And nobody wants to Yeah. So most, most of the avoidance of the slowdown comes from dealing with what's going on with somebody else. And I don't, I prefer not to, I, we already make up that I'm not going to know what to say or do, or I won't know what to do with the distinctions between that person and myself. So I might as well not talk about it. And a way to not talk about it is to not look at each other figuratively, like not have that really intentional conversation, you know, we'll just go to a movie yeah. instead of to coffee, you know? Yeah. Figuratively that's- speaking. That speed up is looks like a canned conversation at that point, right? Yeah. So it's like, oh, what do you do? How long you've been doing that? Oh, that's cool. How many kids do you have? That that's the kind of conversation that comes out of just speeding up without slowing down to get grounded and be like, okay, I actually want to see you, accept you as an as a complex human being across from me as a complex as myself, and I'm okay with the complexity and not having quote unquote control of the complexity in the conversation. Yeah. There's a, just an example. We raising money with a team. One time they, uh, we had bought this company, the investors we worked with and they will shoot. They, it was kind of a salvage. They had salvaged the company front because the previous owners had embezzled money and they were, you know, the, the SEC broke them up and these guys bought them and they were small and had great. And they were doing about four million a year. And, and uh, we probably we got the company up to about 10 million. And it was time to raise money for the next level, right? To get to the next, to the next we had a game plan of what we wanted, they were going to do. And we were, the company I was with, it was Mike, our, our consulting firm, it was a different one before this one. And we had been working with them, trying to talk with them about what they needed to do to raise money. We're going to raise money with the staff. And it was really interesting because the CFO had been involved in a number of startups and the CEO was very involved in startups and myself and a, a couple other guys. So we went out to raise money as a staff and myself and this other guy were the only one raising money. So he kept saying, what are we going to do? We're way behind. We got to get everybody else on board. I said, we got to slow down. Because what do you mean? I go, we got to go have a conversation. We got to sit down and find out where people are because we both know that these other players have plenty of resources, but they're not accessing them. So there's something, there's some conversation they're having about what we're doing that is either threatening or they don't see the value in doing it. They don't want to look bad. They don't want to be uncomfortable because they don't see the value in it. And he said, well, it doesn't make sense. But when we started talking, we sat down and we called a special meeting and we met with the team. It was like a, I'll never forget, it was about a two-hour meeting. And in the conversation, I just kept probing because I kept saying, well, how, we're raising this money and you, we don't have anywhere near the network you two have. And 
What's the deal? And in the conversation, as we start, they, they didn't want to talk. They didn't have time. They had so much they had to do. We didn't, you know, we just don't have time for this. So I said, but how much time do you have for not raising the money you say we need? Like when we get to the end of it and we go across the goal line and we don't have the money, how much time do you think you're going to spend trying to salvage this company then? Which got their attention. They go, okay. And, and I just showed them. I said, look, I showed them a graph. And we were like, you know, we're not even close to the curve we need to be on. And she goes, okay, good. Let's talk. So they all started talking about finances and stuff. I said, let's not talk about finances. Let's talk about how come you may not trust raising money for what we're talking about. And, and no bad. Everybody gets, let's just, let's just be real with each other. And it came out that the CFO did not trust the CEO. And she didn't trust her because she had been involved in her last startup that she had made $35 million with and it failed. And she didn't trust putting her, it turned out that she was afraid to go ask for money again. Mm. And when we started getting all this on the table, the next week we raised every penny we needed. But it was one of those conversations where there were tears and the confession and you never expect it in a corporate environment. But this gal, you know, the, the CEO was a woman, the CFO was a woman, we were consulting, and they were at each other, in, in, they were distrusting each other, and they didn't, and for reasons different. Like, the CEO thought that the CFO wasn't raising money because she didn't like her, but it wasn't really that. The CFO was afraid to raise money because she was, the CEO was more of a, a much more risk, big risk taker, and she had just taken a big risk. And it wasn't something personal. She just wasn't ready to take the kind of risk that she thought this other person was willing to take, right? And so, and then when they started talking about it, they got into how she hadn't completed with the last startup and what, what needed to happen there and some of the people she needed. So as they went and cleaned up some conversations, man, that thing took off. We started raising money left and right, and the rest of the staff came with it. But we, we, we spoke down for two hours that seemed completely irrelevant to the business that we were doing. Yeah. Right. It, what I want to, it's an amazing story. What I want to point out is what most people would have done instead of that. Most people would have sent some kind of reminder email. Yeah, we did that. Some, we tried that. Sure. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, that's where, that's what you do in the beginning, at least. Right. Or send some, or let it become this passive aggressive thing. Yeah. Or this us versus them thing. Instead, it was becoming passive aggressive. That's what was happening. Yeah. 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 You know, so that's the natural progression. What people typically do then is just lower the vision and say, we couldn't do it. Yeah. Instead of saying, I wonder what's in the way that I don't want to talk about. That I can't Because you're actually, your vision ended up increasing. At the end of that conversation, yeah, right, because you know the vision increased. You guys delivered faster than the graph even showed you in the meeting, right? It went parabolic, man. Just like blew it out of the water because there was a conversation that was in the way. That if you would have decided that you were busy, it wouldn't have happened. Mm -hmm. Or bought in that oh we're too busy for this. It's always an assessment of what's happening. Busy, busy doesn't also is also not happening. It's an assessment about what's happening. An assertion usually, oh, I'm busy. I can't. I'm busy. It's what I tell myself to get off the hook and to avoid something. Yeah. Is, you guys, is it pressed 
both the CEO and the CFO into incomplete conversations they had with other people outside the company that could help the company, but yep. that they were they thought that they would not want to jump on board because of past failures or missing certain things. And when they yep. were able to bring those relationships up, it actually opened up the opportunity in a way. And not necessarily with those people, but they did, some of those people did invest but it opened their their willingness to go out and ask and to, yeah. to show the opportunity to people. Yeah. It reminds me of the idea that we talk about often of not knowing how good it can get, right? That kind of playing to win or playing not to lose sort of thing. And we don't really know how good this thing can get. Yeah. We think we know and we create goals and, and all that kind of stuff around how good we think it get. But the reality of it is we still don't know. No. Yeah. We don't know how good it can get, and we won't discover that until we slow down yeah. <laughs> to find out what's keeping us, what's what looks like it's in the way, but is actually the way. Oh, and yeah. you know what's interesting? The CEO said to me, she goes, you know, when I first met you, I thought you were talking Chinese, and now I'm a little nervous. <laughs> I'm starting to understand what you're saying, because <laughs> the point was, for most of the time, What's keeping a team from rallying is invisible. It's how they're relating to each other. It's the way yeah. they're working together. And that's probably, I think that's one of the more challenging things to put language on so that people can get a hold of it, can see it, can work with it, and can explore it. And it's valuable. And I think people value that. But I think a lot of times, because most a lot of leaders are command and control, they tend to use that to batter people or try to manipulate them into doing what they said they're going to do. Like we talked about, I think at the beginning yeah. of this. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of really getting shoulder to shoulder, as you were saying, Adrian, and not having the problem between us with shoulder to shoulder, where we're looking at how do we solve this? We're both here to get this done. Yeah. Or we're all here to get this done and we each have a piece of it. Hmm. Yeah, there's a there's a dependency that most most of us would rather avoid. Yeah. A couple of things come to mind for me. One is most people probably heard of David Allen. He wrote Getting Things Done. I like that framework. I don't do that framework, but I like it a lot. And one one of the things a part of his framework that I dig is he asks I was listening to him do a lecture and he asked the crowd how long how long does it take to have a great idea? And, you know, the, the, the answer is like a second. That's the answer. How long does it take to have a great idea is a second. I mean, usually, you know, some kind of new idea, it comes to you like that, right? But what do you need to have that second? And he says space. So great ideas happen in space. They don't happen in time, which is why he does all his thing, which is essentially kind of how to get to zero inbox. He was like the initial, I think, initial zero inbox guy. And how do you organize your crap and all that kind of stuff. So do that. But his point is this, is that you need space in order, you know, to have the great idea. And I think that's part of, I mean, essentially this concept, slow down to speed up, is why most people engage with us. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, right before this, uh, two hours ago, one of the more influential people I've ever coached on a global scale, he's influential at a global scale today. He has a potential to being one of the, an iconic, scientific breakthrough person, you know, in a huge level in the years to come. If he pulls off what he's pulling off and he's getting on a plane in a couple hours to go have a conversation across the world. And 
he decided to keep his appointment with me. And I thought that was interesting. Of all the things that are going on, he's about to get on an international flight. He's got a lot of complexity pulling off something. He's, you know, huge, huge, huge issue. And he decided, say what? Multi-billion dollar deal. Multi-billion dollar. And he decides to spend one of the three hours before he gets on the plane with me. Now, why? Why do that? Right? Of all the things to do. I mean, why do that? And it's be- I think it's because he gets this. That if he spends an hour with me and getting out of the rat race, and it's not me necessarily. I mean, of course, I've made a difference with him and blah, blah, blah. But really, it's the space of, hey, let I need some time to, make, to get out of the minutia and get above it and look at it and reground myself, talk about what's happening, reframe my reality in a way that I want to be in it. Because most, a lot of our lives, it seems to us that things are happening that I'd rather avoid. But if I actually can create the space to reframe what's happening in my world in a way that actually I want to go participate in, then I show up in a new way and new things are possible. You know, And so that's part of, that's what happened in that team meeting you're talking about, Dan. You guys talked about what was happening in a way that people wanted to participate. Yeah, They talked about the obstacles so they wanted to face them, so that they wanted to overcome them. And something new happened only because you created the space to reframe what was happening. And it took courage to do that. And I think that's why people dig our work with them is because we help them reframe what's happening. But the space is necessary and the time is necessary. People usually want to like email me back and forth about working with me and I won't do that. Mm-hmm. I'll say, oh, no, you need to set aside an hour to have a conversation with me to explore what's going on, what you want to see happen, what's happening right now. And usually their vision is lower than what I want them to have. And their view of reality is poorer than I want them to have. I actually want them to have the real sober view. It's worse than you think. But that's also not bad idea. That's also not bad. But it is probably worse than what you'd like to describe it as. But let's get clear about that. But that takes time to do that because that takes faith to do that. Yeah. To have vision requires faith. Like I am deciding I'm all in to make something happen. And to get really soberly connected to what's going on in reality takes faith too. I want to know what's really happening. And that takes some time because our way that our brain works resists that. I don't want to know how big of a venture my life could be. And I don't want to know how much heroism is the moment I'm in is calling for me. I'd rather not know those two facts. Our brain tells us that. Avoid it, man. Just get by. Just get through. Look good. Feel good. Be right. Be in control. Instead of, no, no, my life, something is possible that will require 100% of me, and I'm already scared just thinking about it. And something, there's some conversation in my life right now that I it's calling for the best of me right now. And I'd rather put that off to tomorrow as well. But if we create space in our lives to really get connected to where meaning comes from and get connected to what's worth the worthy suffering, value goes up in life. Yeah. Because we're all going to suffer. We'll either suffer for something or suffer from something. Most tolerate suffering from something and not suffering for something. But... You know, suffer like sacrifice, suffer like have a tough conversation, suffer like learn something new, suffer like confess something that I blew, something like that. That's that's the type of progressive, productive suffering. 
which all of life is. I, I mean, it sounds like a heavy idea. It's not. We do it all the time. Sacrifice for the sake of a goal. Sacrifice for the sake of a relationship. That's suffering. I'm using dramatic language, but it's the point. And space helps us calibrate what's worth fighting for. And I think we all would be served from doing that more. I know I would. If you're out to accomplish anything that's never been done before, then and you're committed to comfort, you're in trouble. I mean, yep. you know, mm-hmm. It's like being uncomfortable is a way of life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's what are, you lo- what are you willing to look the fool for, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, every time I start a venture or something, like when I start, we started this company, I remember, you know, family members worried about, people get worried about you. Oh, you know, this could be, a, yeah, it's going to be a price. We're going to pay a price to get to where we're going. <laughs> well, it's like palms together, palms apart. Let's, <laughs> this, let's go. Let's, uh-huh. Yeah. Let's get, you know, be uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah, Adrian, you brought up what I think should be our next uh, sales point pitch is you think your life is bleak? Come talk to us. We'll tell you how bleak it really is. (laughs) It's worse than you think, man. I'm sure people are going to be lining up for that one. (laughs) And if you are listening and thinking about working with us and you think your life is bad, you have no idea. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it is. It's funny. And we, we we joke we joke about it all the time. Anytime people we use the phrase like like reorganizing the furniture on the Titanic, the real conversation is, "Hey, mofo, you're on the Titanic." Yeah. <laughs> well, you know the, the the larger statement is, "You're not getting out alive." So, what do you want to get done? That's mm-hmm. right. That's right. That's well, this funny. is great. I loved this. This I got a lot out of this. Got a bunch of notes. Thank you so much, gentlemen. And I, I, this idea of slowing down and the idea of it being a simultaneous process. Yeah. Both are going on at the same time has been really impactful for me today. Yeah. Well, and I want to say just to give an invitation here too. You know, I I love this work. I love talking with people through crucial conversations that they need to have, helping people get a hold of themselves at the crossroads of life. And we're at the crossroads often, and we probably need to be there more often. I mean, we all know now, you know, if anybody's listening, you know, there are some relationships threats that are at stake right now. Mm-hmm. And we know there's some projects that are at stake right now. Yeah. And you're at a crossroads if you want to be now or you'll wait, and then the crossroads will hit you in the face. You know, and my, my point is, everybody on our team, we love intervie- being with people in these moments in time. And if you're listening to this and think, oh, wow, this is true for me. I know it. And you need somebody to talk to about it. Uh, this is why we get up in the morning. So we'd love to be in a conversation. No matter what, if something happens or not, or if we do some work together or not, that doesn't matter. We're always up. For, I'm always up for having an exploratory conversation with somebody just to serve you and be with you. And it's part of my calling in life. So if that's you and you think, Oh, I've never worked with a coach before, or I can't, or, you know, or whatever you make up about us or whatever. We'd love to have a conversation with you just to explore, to be, you know, to be with you in the moment you're in. Anyway, just want to say that we don't, I don't, we don't say that that often on this podcast. So feel free to re- please reach out to us. You can reach out to us on social media or email me, Adrian at takenewground.com take or Chad at takenewground or Dan. Um, we'd all love to be in conversation with you. So please don't do this alone. 
Thanks for making the invitation, Adrian. I was feeling the same pull through this conversation. Like, this yeah. is our work. This is, this is this is base camp. Yep. 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 All right, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. Be with you guys. Have a Ciao. great day, everybody. Talk soon. Well, friends of the podcast, thank you so much for joining us this week. If this podcast has helped you or entertained you at all, we encourage you to go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating and a glowing review. That'll help us reach more people and grow this community. And finally, if you have any suggestions or feedback for the podcast, we would love to hear from you. You can email me at chad at takenewground.com. Thank you so much for joining us. and We'll meet you back here next week for another episode of the Naked Leadership Podcast.